I'm Joe Exotic, and today this is not going out to any kind of a presidential candidate or any politician. The purpose of this video today is to let you know who I am. First thing is, I am not cutting my hair. I'm not changing the way I dress. I refuse to wear a suit. I am gay. I've had two boyfriends most of my life. I currently got legally married, thank God. It's finally legal in America. I've had some kinky sex. I have tried drugs through the younger years of my life. I am broke as shit. I have a judgment against me from some bitch down there in Florida. But I can tell you, I paid a fine with the USDA, and that is nothing but a civil fine, ladies and gentlemen. That does not mean that I was accused or convicted of any kind of animal cruelty thing. I built one of the biggest facilities and the nicest facilities for exotic animals in this country as far as a private individual goes. I'm Joe Exotic, and don't forget, I am now stepping my foot in the ring to run for president. And this is all paid for by the committee of Joe Exotic Speaks for America. I am a real American. Fight for the by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on why How's, uh, how's your guys' isolation going, man? What are you guys doing out there? You guys all bundled up with your loved ones? You know what? I'm catching up like on a lot of fucking Netflix shit, so um, which is the, the basis for this fucking um, topic, because you know we gotta we gotta like settle people's stress down a little bit. Yeah. You know, like last two episodes, like we're kind of like high alert, but hey, fuck, you know, life can't be all about that. Let's chill, man. <laughs> Net, what, not, not Netflix and chill. Netflix. Quarantine and chill. Quarantine and chill, man. Yeah, so with that said, welcome to episode 147 of the Art and Jacob Do America podcast. I am your host, Mr. Jacob Pixon, and to my left is my very high-energy co-host. What's up? <laughs> What's up, guys? I just listened to some Death Grips, and I'm, li- I'm drinking some LaCroix, so I'm ready to go. How do you like that stuff, man? I love LaCroix, man. That's the only the only water you can probably get right now, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it probably is. I'm glad. I freaking love LaCroix. Like... I used to hate them, but my sister introduced me to LaCroix. And now, I remember the first time I tasted it, I was like, oh my God, so disgusting. But now I really, really enjoy it. It's It's basically, it's it's just, it's acquired taste. It's carbonated water. This one has kiwi flavor and whatever the hell that is. Oh, it's a watermelon. You know what I've noticed, dude? And I mean, I'm half Mexican, but you know, so 
take take from that what you will but like i've noticed like every like mexican person has like something really white about them like my girlfriend's family they really love broccoli and mayonnaise like that is like the whitest shit i ever white people eat that i i my i told my mom about that who's probably the second whitest person that i know um and she said that that sounds like fucking disgusting that sounds disgusting and so like i've noticed i kind of want to throw up every mexican person has like one like super white quality about them (laughs) and i'm i maybe that's what your white quality is this one lacroix yeah they're good man like they're fucking good (laughs) i guess it's like smoking a cigarette and eating ice cream at the same time what movie is that from i know you got that from a fucking movie dude. <laughs> it is it's from uh, a movie called the sentimental engine slayer oh that's right omar from the mars volta we watched that huh before work one day yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite line in that movie what because he was talking about eating pussy yeah like, he's like he's like what's eating pussy like it's like eating ice cream and smoking a cigarette at the same time <laughs> not even close so i don't know what hoochie mamas he's fucking with but that's not even close but um <laughs> It's a funny. It's just a I'm funny so line. I'm so glad you said that shit, dude. That was, I remember fucking saying that for like a whole week, dude. It's just a funny line, man. That's that's a pretty underrated movie for such an artsy movie, and he goes full on artsy like Mars Volta. He still adds those little like elements of comedy and like Hispanic jabs and things like that, which I really appreciate in that movie. We should put that on a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> What's Art and Jacob do America like? It's like smoking a <laughs> cigarette, eating ice cream at the same time. Oh man, it's a good. And that ice cream looked good. It looked like those spicy Lucas ice creams. They don't make anymore, but kind of like the little Rosa ones. Uh, yeah, but the the Lucas ice cream ones came with like spicy things built into. You're talking Ooh. so like, oh dude, La Rosa ice cream sounds good right now, man. That sounds very essential. The weather's like so nice right now. Kind of makes you forget that we're in fucking full <laughs> on apocalypse mode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, I know everybody is bundled up uh, watching, you know, Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have. Maybe Disney, Disney Plus, Plus or fucking what other ones are there? Uh, HBO Go. Oh yeah, HBO Go. We got that one. Uh, we got that one. ESPN Plus. I have that for a whole year. Got yeah, that shit too. for free somehow. I don't know. Don't ask. Don't ask. Don't tell. Thirty for thirties are on there, man. They're Fuck, good, man. The t- that's another topic for another time because i got some ideas i want to pitch to you on that so maybe we'll have tyler on once you know he cleans <laughs> up his act and shit but um one documentary that's on there um well before we get into this maybe we should probably <laughs> shout out our sponsor before okay. we forget guys go to cavemancoffee.com type in america at checkout but before you do check out all their cool merch i'm not joking guys jacob has some nitro cold brews right here if you're into drinking energy drinks Cut that shit out because your kidneys are going to fail you one day. Instead, drink these nitro cold brews. Get that same rush without your kidneys shutting down. Yeah. That's not their That's not those their words. Those are my words. So I'm just saying. Anyways, I also drink their fucking decaf coffee because it's delicious uh, and it gets the job done. Also, that cocoa butter, man. That shit is delicious. It tastes like fucking milk chocolate, like some choky milk. It is delicious, some man. Chucky milk. <laughs> some chucky. That's a that's a baby Yoda. Oh, joke. Okay. Where did that come from? Because I like I see that all the time to make nuggies or whatever. Yeah. Shit. It's just supposed to be. I guess it's supposed to be like things that like little kids say, oh, okay. and they just associate it now with like baby Yoda using these very like chucky milk and chicken nuggies and things like that. So it's supposed to be its own like little joke. Oh, okay. It has joke. nothing to do with actual Star Wars. Oh, okay. There is no chucky milk in Star Wars. <laughs> 
Goddamn. But if they did, Caveman Coffee would make that shit with their cocoa butter. So go to cavemancoffeeco.com and enter America for 15% off. So with that said, you want to order all your Caveman Coffee. Maybe you want to get a LaCroix because you can't get your, um, you know, your sparkling water from, you know, Walmart right now. By the way, um, I just got a message on my phone that our Walmart, our Eastside Walmart, somebody um, held it up at gunpoint with a plastic rifle. Um, so if you're experiencing some shit like that during this coronavirus 2019, 2020 fucking man. event or whatever, um, you probably want to go on Netflix and you want to watch this documentary. Now, Art and I were talking about this documentary before we actually started recording and it's kind of missing a lot. It's kind of got some fat on there. So we're here to um, talk about a very eccentric individual, uh, Mr. Joe, Joe Exotic. Exotic. Yeah, man. I heard about him a while back when he was in the Daily Show running for president. That's the first I ever heard of him. Wasn't it uh, the John Oliver show? Uh, Possibly. I, it was one of those like political shows. Uh-huh. That's when I first heard about him. And so when you brought it up to me, you were like, this guy that has tigers. And I was like, you mean like <laughs> Joe Erotic? I called him Joe Erotic. <laughs> he is very erotic. <laughs> and then I, was, I think you were like, ah, let me Google him. Oh, Joe Exotic. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's the fucking guy. It's been like a couple of years. It's been like four years since I... Remember that guy, but I know his like campaign video goes, I'm broke as shit. I'm gayer than a three dollar bill and I own two hundred and twenty six tires. Like yeah. and he goes, I'm running for president for the people people of America. And right I'll, now right now, man, gun to your head. Joe Joe Erotic <laughs> Joe Exotic or Donald Trump? Oh, Joe Erotic all day long, yeah. man. I mean he might fucking mishandle the country, but at least like <laughs> But at least he'll, you have Tiger dressed as police officers walking down the street. At least he'll have fucking condoms to throw out. Yeah, I mean, at least true. he's going to practice safe safety set. first. Yeah. At least he'll pretend to care about America. Yeah. But I digress. So, um, Joe Exotic. <laughs> Joe Exotic. That is correct. Yeah, Joe Exotic. I just want to call him Joe Erotic. I know. It's so hard not to. But then he loses, like, those families, those, those uh, um, kids and whatnot, because yeah. that's how he made his millions. But um, he's done a, quite a few uh, crazy things, you know, through his career. Um, he obviously he was a pri- he was a private zoo owner. He no longer is as of this year. Um, he was a police chief. Uh, he also, you know, like you said, he ran in 2016 as a presidential candidate. And you can still watch his videos. Like I guess he released like 300 videos like every single day during 2016. Um, you know, documenting like his platforms. I guess he ran like on the Libertarian card or whatever, um, which we'll get into. Um, you know, a year later he ran for governor of Oklahoma. Um, also, too, um, he was an online TV show host um, before, like, an accident happened. He was filming a reality TV series with somebody from Hollywood, like a, a big wig in Hollywood who moved into his tiger kingdom, if you will. Um, he also um, was an exotic animal breeder, a gay poly- polygamist, as well as a magician, and now a convicted felon for uh, murder for hire. You know, he kind of just looked into all of those. Mm-hmm. He, <laughs> even the convicted... A felony one, but like, or convicted felon, but like every single one of those, he just kind of like learned the trait of like owning a zoo and learned the trait of being a magician and like in a pre YouTube world, too. Yeah, he was like, he was, yeah, well, 2016, it was still that's when he like really started going on, but he, I'm surprised, you know, that was the height of like those shitty reality TV shows. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised he didn't have a shitty reality TV show going on at that time. Well, he he had it filmed. It was being actively filmed. Oh, it was? Oh, Yeah, okay. but we'll get into it a little bit later. We're not going to kill the lead on that just yet. But who is Joe Exotic? What I like about this podcast is we kind of dig deep and, you know, kind of, 
you know, get into the facts, the hardcore facts about, you know, who these individuals are. So um, Joe Exotic was actually born Joseph Schriebvogel. Um, and the reason why he went by Joe Exotic, the Tiger King, is because most people couldn't, you know, pronounce it. It's a hard name. Yeah, I probably didn't pronounce it right. So, I mean, just go to his Joe Joe Exotic TV on his YouTube if you really want to know how it's spelled. But uh, he was born in Kansas to a wealthy farming family, um, to a dad who was a Korean War vet. Um, he also had four siblings um, who they didn't all get along. And he only really got along with his older brother, Gerald, or Gerald, I want to say. Maybe it was Gerald. I don't know from The Witcher. I don't know, if it, but it would make sense. Never seen The Witcher. Oh, you haven't? It's fucking Superman. No. Henry Cavill. Uh, I was not a fan of that Superman. Oh, okay. But he's a dime piece nonetheless. Uh, but when he was 14, they mo- him and his family moved uh, to Wyoming and then later to um, a city right outside of Dallas, Texas. So um, this was a wealthy farming family, and um, you know they always had animals around. And him and his brother, that's why they got along so well is because you know they shared like an actual love of animals. And he would talk about how him and his brother, you know, some of the most endearing memories is like him and his brother watching like those wildlife fucking shows like on TV, National Geographic, and I guess Gerald's like ultimate dream in life was to, you know, move out and live in the Africa Africa plains and watch the wild beasts just run wild and free. Well, you know, as a child he wasn't even allowed to have pets at home. That was one of those things that like really bothered him <laughs> that he, he wasn't allowed to have pets. Yeah, so I guess um he Wait, had like neighbors and whatnot, like they would bring like baby cats over or baby you know, goats over and like they would feed them and whatnot. And like, that's where like they develop like that actual love for animals and whatnot. And like well, that w- would spiral into his obsession later on in life. Well, like he was in a pretty terrible car accident. Yeah. So in 1982, um, he moves out of high school, you know, he, him and his family, they don't really get along. <laughs> and, um, after high school, uh, he becomes a police officer for a small yeah. town, you know, just like the, the town next over or whatnot. Right. And by age 19, he actually becomes like the police chief, um, for this little rinky dink. Like I'm picturing in my mind, it's like the Andy Griffith show. Like there's like two cops, like for the whole town and whatnot. Right. Yeah. And him at 19, not even being able to drink or do anything really like he's he's the actual police chief responsible well you're the healthiest guy we have (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um it's at this point too like he's starting to struggle like with his sexuality like he's starting to come to terms like okay you're a kid that grew up like in middle america super conservative family you know moved to wyoming which is super conservative as well and then you know dallas texas you know you're you're not gonna be op- you're not gonna be around like a very open atmosphere. So you're gonna if you're gay or have any kind of gay feelings, like you're not gonna be free to express those. You're gonna hold those down. You're gonna like try to cover those up. And you see early photos of him. He's like very reserved and you know tries to replicate like what's considered macho mm-hmm. at the time, like 1982. Like everybody's dressing up like Judas Priest, which ends up being like one of the gayest bands of yeah. all time or whatever, right? So you see pictures of him and he's dressed like that. And so he actually comes to terms with the sexuality and, you know, kind of is like, hey, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a gay man. And that's literally how he talks, like a little skinny Alex Jones, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, the only person in his family that really knew was his brother and another sibling. Now, his brother was, you know, keeping that secret away from the family. Um, but the fucked up thing is, is like one of the siblings that he didn't get along with that found out about it actually outed him to his dad. And um, his dad as we were talking about earlier, you know, made him come into the living room, shake his hand, look him in the eye like a typical Korean War vet and made him promise that when he dies, his dad dies, that he won't come to his funeral just based off of that. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, 
That's kind of shitty. Kind of shitty on uh, on Joe there. Mm-hmm. So you can see why he would want to commit suicide. So shortly after that, um, while he's you know cruising the, the the main streets of Dallas, Texas, uh, he careens um, into a cement divider, almost going off of the bridge, and he um, basically has to you know go to physical therapy for months and months, and they describe it like almost years, and he has to go to Tampa, Florida. Uh, to rehabilitate uh, his body, because I guess Dallas, Texas doesn't have you know adequate physical therapy uh, options down there. So um, he moves uh, to West Palm Beach, Florida, you know, to start the physical therapy, and he starts working in a pet store. Um, and this again, this starts to fuel the obsession that later on would um, come into his life. So um, he describes a, a neighbor that he had um, would uh, worked at an exotic animal park. Now. This is Florida. This is 1982. This is prime time, you know, cocaine cowboys and whatnot, right? So you're seeing, like, all these crazy things being imported um, into, you know, Miami and whatnot. And then Florida is just a crazy place in general. Anytime you get some crazy-ass news, it's always like a Florida man or, Mm -hmm. you know, a Florida family and whatnot, right? And so I guess there was, like, a huge booming um, industry of exotic animals. And his neighbor worked at an exotic animal park. And, you know, would bring home, you know, like baby tigers, baby lions, baby, you know, alpacas and whatnot. And he would let Joe uh, bottle feed him because, like you said, growing up, he wasn't allowed to have pets. Yeah. And that's really where his passion and love for animals and exotic animals came from. Just Mm -hmm. being around these larger animals while he was doing his rehab during this 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 accident. And how long was he doing his rehab for? Do Do you have that on there? Well, I guess this all happened like around like 83 and whatnot. So I'm assuming like about three years because it, you know, jumps to 1986 where um, Joe um, and his brother Gerald, you know, the the brother that, you know, was also obsessed with animals. um, And then Joe's first husband, Brian Ryan, you know, they decided, hey, like, hey, let's make this like let's make let's make something of our passion. Right. Like we're sick of working, you know, as I think one of his jobs was like he washed dishes like in a pirate themed uh uh, restaurant or whatever so he's like I'm that's sick. so 80s like yeah. that just sounds like the most 80s thing that could happen i'm sick of wearing this goddamn peg leg every time i go but um so fuck it's gonna sound like i have the coronavirus <laughs> <laughs> my fucking voice is already fucking scratchy and shit but i do not so um they moved back to texas i believe it was like arlington texas and they opened up a pet store um where they sold reptiles birds and fish and it was when I was reading, you know, some of the stuff about this pet store. It was pretty rinky dink and whatnot. You know, they're poor. You know, they're they're just you know starting this and whatnot. And what they said they would do is like they would just dumpster dive for you know extra supplies. You know, food. You know, to feed the animals. You know, while you know being wait waited on to be sold. Um, but then also too, how they made some of their money is like they would dumpster dive behind furniture stores and you know get carpets and extra you know wood and whatnot and make like dog houses and cat houses and like those cat scratching pads or whatever to sell in the um, pet store as well. So that's how they actually made most of their money is by, you know, using those items. Yeah. So, which later plays on into his zoo as well. So, um, as, as the, um, the pet store, uh, boomed and whatnot, they expanded some more exotic small pets. So, you know, they're not getting tigers or lions just yet. But I believe like they would get like what's called like three banded armadillos or whatnot, and then I th- there was one thing that said that it was like a four eyed opossum. So in my mind, I'm thinking like, hey, what the hell is like a three banded armadillo? And I was like, I looked it up, 
And it was basically just like an armadillo that you would see out in Texas anyways. Because oh. you lived out in Texas. Like, can you account for that? I never saw an armadillo. But, oh, really? Yeah, I, I never, not that I can recall ever seeing an armadillo. Um, but, you know, exotic animals, things that I would consider exotic, you mm-hmm. know, living in California, we don't really have anything too crazy. But, like, vultures, like, actual, like, big vultures that are, like, the size of dogs. Like, you have two uh, uh, German shepherds. They're, like, the size of German shepherds. Wow. And so they're pretty large. Tarantulas you see pretty often. That's not that crazy to see. Um, but I never saw an armadillo. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So I, I just had, like, this this vision in my head. That, like, not oh, that I can remember. There's armadillos just, like, all over the place and whatnot, right? Yeah, I, I don't, I can't remember if I ever saw one, but... We down the street from where we were, um, there was a uh, rattlesnake ranch. Was pretty interesting. <laughs> but, really? Yeah. It was like I assume they uh, would milk the rattlesnakes to make anti venom. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, it was just, it's crazy. Like now thinking back at it, I'm like, that's fucking nuts that that was a thing that yeah. you wouldn't see that in California. <laughs> nope, not at all. Um, but like where I was going with it, I was like, wow, how would that be considered exotic? And why would you sell that like in a pet store if you can just go off into like the countryside and like pick yeah. up an armadillo? But I guess you being from Texas and not ever seeing an armadillo, I guess that explains why they would sell it there. Yeah, I don't think they're, I'm sure there's like maybe northern Texas, like full on desert parts of mm-hmm. Texas. But like, I don't think everywhere in Texas they're a thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, San Antonio is very jungly forest Oh, okay. Yeah, I couldn't see like an arm. I like normally just think of like, you know, movies like uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico or whatnot, like where you just see like a deserty area and yeah. it's like an armadillo getting ran over by a, you know, that yeah, one yeah. street out in the middle of nowhere. And yeah, yeah. That's, that sounds like it's like the deserty part of Texas. Mm-hmm. Where you get that gravelly yeah. voice at. And whatnot. I'm sure there's like rattlesnakes and shit out there. Mm-hmm. That, fuck. <laughs> fuck, that's scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they, I don't know if they sold rattlesnakes or not. But. Um, the zoo just kept expanding, you know, the more, you know, they would get more and more like small exotic pets like that. I believe like they would have, uh, like I said, like a four eyed opossum and whatnot. Um, but you know, the, the plan was is to, you know, just keep growing the business as, you know, any, you know, lucrative, you know, uh, business person would want to, but those plans changed in 1997 when Gerald, um, the brother was struck and killed by a drunk driver. And this was like one of the one of the biggest blows in um, Joe's life. So um, what happened was, I guess the family, they got like some kind of settlement and whatnot. They were already like a rich family to begin with, Mm -hmm. um, but they won like a settlement and somehow Joe got $140,000. I'm not sure like how that would work. Like like maybe Gerald had like fucking life insurance. Maybe the business was doing that good, like selling armadillos. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fucking like they were able to buy like fucking mutual of Omaha life insurance or whatnot. I don't know. But somehow um, Joe got $140,000 and bought 16 acres in Oklahoma and opens up what would become his signature calling card, the GW Zoo, or the GW Exotic Animal Memorial Park dedicated to his brother, Gerald Wayne Treebubble. Treebubble, man. Mm-hmm. Well, damn, that's an interesting way to start a park. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of fucked up, but I guess he said, you know, how we said that you know, his brother's dream was to see, you know, the wild beast of Africa, you know, running free or whatnot. So this is what he, he you know, from his experience in um, Florida, West Palm Beach, Florida, um, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to, um, you know, dedicate the park to him and, you know, just take it from zero, <laughs> selling armadillos and whatnot to mm-hmm. actually having like 
um, wild animals and whatnot, you know, running free. And he actually started with good purposes. Like it wasn't going to be like, you know, uh, we, we talked about it on our coronavirus uh, episode where, you know, we talked about, you know, circus animals and whatnot. Um, it was more or less going to be a sanctuary. You know, we were just going to rehab, you know, the animals, the injured animals. And like I said, during this time, because um, he opens up the zoo two, two years to the day that his brother died, um, he wanted this just to be a place like where, you know, people that, you know, bought a tiger cub and it, it kind of outgrew their backyard, you know, they can, you know, keep them. And then, you know, they would nurse it back to health. Or, you know, if it had any kind of problems, you know, they would just, you know, take care of it, you know, till it passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, but what ended up happening was, is that, you know, his his first husband at the time, Brian, uh, he got HIV. And he ended up passing away. And then, like, the story that you hear him tell, because one podcast, like, he was actually, like, a guest before <laughs> he actually got convicted of any crimes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. He was talking about that. And it was fucking heartbreaking because... Um, at the time, they had two tigers. Um, they had a buffalo, a mountain lion, and then I believe it was like two deers or whatever. So it wasn't like too crazy, mm-hmm. but like he was putting everything that he had into it. And his husband at the time um, was putting everything that they had on it that they were like ignoring their health and whatnot. And he said that, you know, something was wrong. Like he was coughing like he had the fucking coronavirus on mm-hmm. his husband and whatnot. And they take him into the hospital and he said, dude, his like, pneumonia that he you know has right now is so bad that like as soon as we give him like a painkiller like his body's gonna relax and he's gonna die immediately like he's in that much pain right now but like i guess his husband was like that committed to the zoo that um like he just ignored it right Mm -hmm. and so he says that you know you know what just fuck it just give him the painkiller or whatever just you know because if he's suffering he's suffering let's just take him out of his suffering so i guess um the doctor gives him the pain medicine and I guess two hours later, like him and his husband go into the car to drive back to the zoo. And like within 20 minutes, his husband like just dies like right there in the car. And I was like, man, another fucked up blow. Like you got fucking your dad. Like it doesn't want you at his funeral because you're gay. And then you're fucking your best friend, your brother or whatever. Like he dies at the hands of a drunk driver. And then your actual husband, like your person that you're supposed to, you know, live and die with, you know, the person that you're going to run this, you know, sanctuary, like this legit sanctuary with fucking just dies right there in front of you so yeah kind of just kind of a world build here like this is what this guy is dealing with right now so yeah man it sounds like a lot of fucked up shit going on for him you know um i don't think the documentary touched on any of that stuff no that, and that's one thing too like i'll point out like there's a lot of stuff like it just kind of just makes him look like this wild oaky like cowboy yeah. or whatever like I, I was actually not that you liked the documentary more than i did but i, I just thought the documentary would introduce characters get rid of characters at the end that didn't matter and then like i don't know if they were like you have to fill seven episodes because <laughs> yeah. you didn't need it you could have told the entire story in like three episodes mm-hmm. and that's or one know. episode of the Art and jacob do america podcast correct <laughs> so as the story moves on um a lot of people say that his mental health just started to really decline which I can't blame him. Like, I mean, I know I've gone through tragedies. Like, I often, you know, reference, you know, 2011 being like a super dark year for me. I mean, you've had situations in your life where it's just like, it's hard to bounce back from, right? Yeah, 9-11 was a really difficult time for me personally. (laughs) Just. (laughs) (laughs) But I digress from that. So um, this is where they say, like, he just gets a little bit more erotic if you could say or exotic if you guess you could say yeah. so uh, what he ended up doing is he ended up taking like those two tigers on tour and he ends up meeting you know not too much longer after this like he ends up meeting you know a new gentleman 
who uh, I believe his name is like J.C. Hartpence or whatnot, who, you know, was um, a, an event producer and convinced him like, hey, like you need to start making, you know, more money off of this than just like having people come to your little rinky dink zoo and like seeing a couple tigers and a buffalo. Like you need to take them out on tour and come up with some kind of gimmick. So what he ended up doing is he learned magic from an autistic kid <laughs> and he becomes like this guy that like does like really bad magic tricks like in you know malls across the middle of America and um one of them was super funny they were describing like on one of the podcasts I was listening to like I guess like one of the um magic tricks that he would do would be that he would take like a baby tiger cub and turn turn it in by magic into a full grown tiger but if he kept fucking it up and like spooking the tiger because he kept adding like you know explosives from Walmart and whatnot, and like it would like freak the fucking tiger out, and so like it would like pace back and forth or shit itself or like try to escape. And you know if you're Siegfried and Roy, you know what happens like when a tiger gets freaked out, your face yeah. is gone, right? So they were scrambling to figure out what they were gonna do, and it just shows how amateur this fool was being. He he bought a goat, and he fucking spray painted the goat orange, and put like little like he started painting on little like fucking tiger stripes on it and whatnot and i guess like he tried to make it work and then at the end of it like people will get like oh shit like he's gonna turn you know this little baby tiger cub into something and then like they would see the goat and they just walk away like all disappointed and stuff and i guess like half of like his staff like was just like man i can't fucking be here for this like this is this is some stupid ass shit right and so he was losing money and like that was how he was making money is you know by taking the animals on tour and whatnot and so, like, the one thing that happened one day is, is, like, people were actually like, hey, like, how much how much would it cost if I can hold this baby tiger? And he was like, well, you can do, like, maybe, like, $50 for, like, a couple minutes with him. And, like, people were like, like, how you people see people in uh, Target and Walmart right now for uh, toilet paper. Like, they were just, like, running over themselves just to hold a baby tiger. And when you look at, like, these baby tigers, like, they are the fucking cutest things, like, I have ever seen in my life. Like, I know humanely i guess it's supposed to be wrong but like deep down inside i kind of want to hold a baby tiger mm-hmm. so yeah they're adorable i mean just animals in general when they're at that early stage like mm-hmm. it's hard to find a ugly version of there's some ugly babies out there yeah there is <laughs> but uh but yeah ugly ugly tiger or, uh, baby tigers are pretty adorable oh my god yeah i just yeah. want to smush my face into one and just but so are baby kittens so and that's baby what they are. That, that's yeah. baby what they are. That's pretty much what they are. Yeah. <laughs> They're just baby kittens and whatnot, yeah. right? So he gets this idea, another idea, like, okay, I'm gonna like do like a little basic, you know, card trick or whatever. But at the end of the show, this is how I'm gonna make my money. I'm just gonna let all these little kids and like all these people um, hold these baby tigers and just start, you know, charging them, you know. So and that's how he's able to, you know, fund the zoo. Is that he would, um, you know, just have you know people hold the baby tigers. So. Eventually, um, places like PETA and, you know, I guess the USDA and whatnot, like they would like catch wind of this. And there's certain precautions like when it comes to animals and interacting with humans. And I guess he was ignoring a lot of these because like he would frequently get in trouble because there would be a tiger cub with um, a fever and whatnot. And you're letting like that fucking tiger cub come into contact with hundreds of kids. That's how we get fucking coronavirus. Exactly. So he kept getting fines and whatnot from that. And this is where he pretty much meets uh, or comes into his first contact with his ultimate arch rival, Carol Baskin, um, who runs in Florida another big cat sanctuary um, down there. Um, pretty much. Well, hers is an actual sanctuary. It's not just like a yeah. petting zoo. <laughs> yeah, for tigers and yeah. shit. 
Um, and so, like, there was, a, I guess, an article in Oklahoman that was describing this, and they got a quote from her because I guess she was a big to-do in the industry saying that, like, hey, yeah, like, that is, like, some of the most fucking inhumane things you can do because, like, you referenced, like, with the whole corona thing. Like, that's literally how we got the coronavirus. It jumped from an animal, went into a human, created this huge pandemic, and then vice versa. Like, we're giving, like, he would literally take, like, days-old cubs, which, again, are the some of the cutest fucking things out there. But yeah. let fucking, you know, kids, like, kids are like the fucking harbingers of fucking, you know, the plague anyways. Like, mm-hmm. letting them, you know, transmit whatever they would, you know, to those tiger cubs as well. And she said, that's like, literally, like, it seems innocent, but it's like one of the most inhumane things you can do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that's a big thing with, like, those types of places. Like, other not just him, but, you know, there's other cat, big cat I don't want to say rescues. They're like just hangouts. Mm-hmm. They're not even zoos. They're just like freak shows, big cat freak shows. It's like a circus, yeah. you could say. Yeah, because like that documentary you were telling me, like they would introduce like, you know, new characters in there. And I believe like one of the people in there, um, Doc Antle. Yeah. Um, the Undertaker actually went to his um, compound or yeah. whatever. Yeah, he gets a lot of people like that. And the, the documentary, they have like Shaq there. They have mm-hmm. all these people, celebrities just go and he takes uh big cats out to like events he was on like jay leno's show Mm -hmm. or something like they're weird people right like the people like that own like a tiger like or you know all these exotic animals and whatnot like they're not the most normal people out there in the world i guess you could say not the most grounded you could say like it's not the person that's gonna have like a fucking golden retriever yeah yeah they're not the same people (laughs) they're not the same no no so anyways um somehow he makes a lot of like these um problems go away and um, his zoo actually goes, this little 16-acre zoo actually goes from, you know, a couple of animals to a 1,000 animals to at one point um, he has like almost 2,000 animals there. Um, and the way he's able to make ends meet for this zoo is he's cutting a lot of corners. So, you know, all those animals, like I have four dogs. And to me, like that is like fucking some of the most stressful shit is just like making sure they're all clean, making sure they're all fed, make sure they're up to date with their shots, make sure they're not fighting each other or whatnot. Just make sure they're happy and protected, right? That's just four fucking domesticated dogs. This motherfucker has thousands of fucking wild animals. He has chimpanzees. He has fucking, um, I think at one point, like he had like a, like a bunch of bears. He had like a whole cage full of chimpanzees, orangutans, like just, he had, um, zebras just like running around and shit Mm -hmm. so you're gonna need some help for this and so one corner like he would cut is he would just hire like homeless people and he would hire hire like you know former drug addicts and one thing the documentary didn't touch on as well is that the way he would keep people there is is he would supply them with you know the drug and most of the the most famous drug was um pink crystal meth which is his was his drug of choice as well Mm -hmm. and um i'll get into some two of the men around him, how he was able to keep them in around. But anyways, he would pay them a hundred dollars a week and let them live like in these dilapidated like trailers on the property. So he's basically just, you know, exploiting people uh, for work. And these are people with no like, you know, background on, um, you know, zoology or whatnot, because if you were to like want to get like a job, like in a zoo, like an actual like LA, you know, County zoo or fucking, you know, Fresno zoo or whatnot, like you're, you're going to have to go to, to fucking school, like almost like a doctor. Like there's a lot of ins and outs to it or whatever, but nope, they're learning all this shit on the fly. Like just like your random, like homeless person off the streets or whatever. He's kind of, um, 
finessing it like oh i'm giving them work i'm giving them a job i'm giving them a place to live but like they would show like the trailers like they were living in and whatnot and they like some of them like it would have like no ac um they would have no working like stove or refrigerator or washing machine or anything so they're basically like you know just working you know in 100 degree heat you know for him just taking care of these animals like for 16 hours a day 365 days a, uh, a year like there was like no christmas like it was just like nuts like how he's exploiting these people but they were all um loyal to him like kind of like an occult leader and like the documentary kind of uh shows a couple of other people on there like you know that uh doc antle or whatever like it almost becomes an occult and then like even carol who's like seen as like this saint or whatever like even her volunteers are very like occult like Mm -hmm. i didn't think hers were occult like but i do think that you know doc's doc's you know he like marries and like has sex with all of his employees. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, same thing with him. Like, you know, they they had kind of mentioned, you know, a lot of his employees being addicted to, like, meth. And obviously yeah. a lot of them are missing teeth. So, I, you know, you don't have to be a scientist to put two and two together yeah. on those. And, you know, surviving off one, a $100. It was, like, I think he said, like, it's $113 to be exact. A week. Or, yeah, yeah, a week. And, you know, they're living in, like, these cockroach and rat-infested homes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be a pretty hardcore addict. I think hers is a little more, like, there are, you know, that's that's one thing. And then hers are just, like, animal freaks. Like, people mm-hmm. that just love animals. And then, you know, you know, hats off to them because they're willing to, like, sacrifice their Christmas and all these different holidays that pop up. I think hers are a little bit different. But there's, like, people that are just, like, just, like, they're freaks for anything. They're freaks that are, like, car freaks and you know animal freaks and whatever gun nuts whatever mm-hmm. like there's people that just love that thing and they're just like obsessive about it and you're right too like you think of like basketball like that for years like the one of the things i look forward to like on christmas is watching basketball like they're always going to put like prime games on like the mm-hmm. rematch of the nba finals and you think of it like oh okay that's just their job or whatnot but like if you're an nba player like hey like you're pretty much not going to have a fucking christmas till your career ends and yeah yeah especially if you play for like a marquee team so yeah yeah, that I mean that does show like fucking dedication, and I mean they, all these people did have a good point. Like, hey, they don't, they don't know what a fucking holiday is. Like these animals, like they fucking like there's no like, hey, like I gotta eat, like I gotta get this shit shoveled out of my cage and whatnot. Yeah, and then plus you know this is something that's not getting, and that's one thing I think the documentary did a bad job on, um, because you know she's a whole different story. Like she probably deserves her own documentary in general. Oh my god, yeah, but. They did make her like lumper into that whole like there's a bunch of crazy cat people kind of thing, and mm-hmm. then all the oh look at all her employees they're getting they're doing it all for free, and you know like <laughs> Joe Exotic brings it up how like <laughs> like how is what she's doing legal she's not even paying her employees and it's like yeah but these are volunteers these are people these are animals that are going through rescue these there mm-hmm. you can't put them back into into nature at this point. Yeah, because a lot of these animals, like, because this is one thing, too, Joe started doing is he started, like, actually breeding for the purpose of, like, selling, you know, mass selling, you know, even inbreeding, you know, like, you know, tigers and lions to make, like, ligers and whatnot. And I think one lion, like, he was inbred so badly that he couldn't use the front part of his legs that, like, you know, that was, like, a whole, like, underground, like, industry in itself um, where, like, you know, you just have all these people across America, like, mostly middle America and, like, Florida and whatnot like owning like all these big cats and whatnot. And most of these people, like some people can't even handle a fucking dog, you know, and they just release them out in the street. 
but like they have to do something with these cats and that's like where carol's organization i think is big cat rescue yeah big cat rescue like that's where they do is they take in these cats and you know like you said you can't just put them out like in the fucking wilds of india like they fuck it's like uh they don't have those like skills at this point you know it's like putting a domesticated dog with a pack of wolves at this point yeah correct yeah so it it's inhumane to do that. It's inhumane to put them down. So that's mm-hmm. why like a big cat rescue is important. I think a lot of people understand that, and that's why they go out and volunteer. Mm-hmm. It might be a little obsessive, obsessive and like, I, I can understand like Joe's point and a lot of people's points, but I it I don't I don't see it as a bad thing. The way like Joe's is Joe's is you know he does this thing where he like and I'm pretty sure we'll talk about it, but. He does like this thing where he like sneaks in and he's like a tourist and he's taking footage of it. He's like, look at all these overgrown weeds. And it's uh-huh. like, yeah, but they're doing it for the sake of the comfort of the animal, not the enjoyment of the person. Yeah. Like overgrown weeds don't affect the animal at all. Like that's their natural habitat. Yeah. It's not. That's why they have stripes. Yeah. It's not meant for you so you can see them better. Uh-huh. You know, like I, I, I don't think he got the point of like what like, you know, a clean jail sale is to to them and here's the thing too like if he really cared about his you know the animals like this is another way he cut corners is like he would go to local walmarts and get expired meats yeah and again like with his you know previous pet store kind of dumpster dive and like that's how his employees also would eat too yeah i was gonna say that that wasn't just for the animals that was like hey employees get first dibs everything else goes to the cats yeah and then one heartbreaking thing was is like and a lot of these like employees, like they actually develop like a love for like some of the animals and whatnot. Like I believe like the head trainer, he didn't have enough meat, you know, for all of the cats. And he's like, you know, basically, you know, they have to eat like a certain amount of pounds of meat a day. And he goes, this isn't even enough for like their breakfast, you know, and this is what they're going to have to live on for the next two days. So they're starving. And another fucked up thing too, is like he has some of the employees so brainwashed that one lady she because we were t- kind of talking about work you know before we started recording this podcast mm-hmm. and one lady that was working there she actually had her whole, whole arm like taken off and eaten you know granted you know these animals are fucking starving to death right um in his facility had her whole arm taken off and fucking she wanted to be discharged the next day because she needed to get back to work like that to me was like fucked up as shit like yeah and like the i don't know I, if it was the documentary on netflix but there was another documentary, like I want to say on YouTube, where the first words out of his mouth was like, oh, no, I hope she's OK. It was just like, this is going to be a financial disaster for my business. And sadly, that's how a lot of businesses operate and mm-hmm. think, you know, like, what is this going to mean for me as far as like dollars? Mm-hmm. And I guess you could say, unfortunately for the animals and fortunately for him. His business just kept booming because he kept expanding it, you know, not, you know, just with animals, but he also had like a gift shop that would have like Joe Exotic branded candy, lotions. I thought the underwear were cool. Yeah, You know what? I, Pardon I hope, me. I want to buy it on eBay. I'm they sure kind of remind so. me of like those little like underwear Steve-O would wear like on Wild Boys. <laughs> <laughs> but like he would have like Joe Exotic, you know, like bikini briefs, you know, that make... And he, like, made a point to tell, like, one of the reporters, like, and make your junk look good and your ass look even better. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and he, the the reporter was like, hey, so, like, do you wear these Joe Exotic underwear? And he goes, oh, I saw that. I, I just free ball it. Yeah, I don't wear any underwear. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But, and then he would also, um, he had uh, Joe Exotic condoms <laughs> that he would, like, pass out, like, when he was doing, like, his zoo tours and whatnot. So, um, which I thought was kind of weird as well. 
like he would do like you know really bad stand-up comedy like on his oh, tour really? oh jeez. and he would like throw condoms like at you know fat girls and whatnot he goes just in case you might get late today the bat once we get next to the baboon exhibit like and he would do like stupid jokes like that um you know what sadly you you say that stupid but i guarantee you go to any like stand-up Open mic night. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of shit you hear all the time. Y'all ever blah, 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 blah. It's a lot of these yeah. things. Oh, God. Here's the difference between black people and white people. Oh, like, man. yeah, that shit. Yeah. Y'all ever get a fight with your girl and then blah, 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 blah. And it's like a lot of those types of jokes. Mm-hmm. If you start your joke with y'all ever. Yeah. There's a whole podcast called Y'all Ever where they like make fun of this whole thing. But, um, you might be a redneck, yeah. yeah like those types of things, y'all ever jokes, and like, oh god, just bad, bad. Only bad things happen at open mic nights. <laughs> yeah, they're rough. There's a whole podcast called Kill Tony, mm-hmm. and I love Tony Hinchcliffe. That's one of my favorite comedians, and it's kind of a mean podcast because the whole premise of it is is like, hey, like the comedy store on Mondays they have open mic night. And if you want to sign up, they, you put your name in the bucket, you take your name out, and you get to do one minute of comedy. And, you know, you do your one minute of comedy, and then you're supposed to get assessed by, like, a panel of, like, actual expert comedians or whatnot. But the fucked up thing about it is just, like, they just fucking just roast the shit out of you. Like, yeah. you're good or bad. Like, you just get the shit roasted it's out of you. It's rough, man. I I saw this one comedian one time here in Bakersfield, actually, and it was just this, oh, an open mic night. And then he ended his set by saying, like, you know what, guys? If you guys believe in yourselves, you can be up here on stage like me one day. And we're all like, what the fuck are you talking? Just so much bad. Like, I know I know. you think your friends tell you you're funny, but just don't do it, guys. Yeah. Don't do it. It's a different animal when you're naked behind that the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> this is the Bud Light talking and shit. Oh, trust me. It's a different animal. Like, I even think, too, like, listening back to some of these podcasts, I'm like, fuck, dude, like. I'm not as funny as I thought I was, dude. So, <laughs> no, there's it's especially even strip it down, no topic. You're on your own kind of thing, and when you only hear your friends laughing, they're trying to like humor you. Oh no, like because you feel it in your gut. It's like oh, only like my crew are laughing. Yeah. I better not do this ever again. Because I know we've thrown <laughs> we thrown the idea around of like doing like stand up comedy or uh-huh. whatnot, and I was thinking about it. And I was like, I would never do it here in Bakersfield because my girlfriend gives me shit about this all the time. She says, you know everybody here, and you don't want those sympathy laughs. Like I would want to go do it like in like L A. Do somewhere. it in L A. Do I've I've done it in L A. I've done it in Portland. I've done it here, and and Bakersfield is the easiest one because you get you know you either get a room of nothing. And but everybody gets a room of nothing, or like you'll get a room of like your ten friends that show up and like, oh yeah, huh. mm-hmm. yeah. And they're the, but that's the worst. I would say the roughest place to ever do it is uh, go to L.A. Yeah, because no one's gonna show you any love. Portland's actually kind of fun because everybody seems to be in on the joke that everyone's not gonna make it there. So. <laughs> everyone's gonna go back to their barista job the next day so <laughs> they're just laughing out of pain yeah but joe he always like made a point to make himself like the the fucking star of the show so he um i guess one time one video i was watching like somebody was like leaning on the rail like where um the tiger was at like just let him do it for a while too and he just like like whispers to the lady and goes hey check this out this little boy right this little fat boy right here like he's gonna about to get pissed on and he reaches his hand into the cage, right? So the cat, like, has his, like, butt against the cage, like, where the the fat little kid's at or whatever. And he grabs, like, the tiger's dick and, like, makes it, like, makes it a point to, like, pee on the fucking guest or whatever. And I'm like... That's weird. This is some fucking... I mean, 
some people have like comedy like that but i'm like okay first of all you're dealing with a fucking animal that just tore off one of your employees like literally like a couple of months ago arms yeah. off or whatever and you're pointing like like a fucking fire hose like a fucking like tiger's dick at somebody like this like your 20 dollars or whatever to get your condom or whatever yeah like it's just a weird dude but anyways he also opened up a pizza place on his um property uh called zooter so it was basically like a, a male version of fucking um hooters hooters but i guess like it was with, just i assume dicks yeah okay. like with his fucking underwears and whatnot they so. didn't show this in the documentary i don't at think he I don't wanted think so. to see that shit. at least i i fell asleep during some parts of it <laughs> <laughs> um but then he also built a fucking tv um studio on his property as well because he wanted to expand way past just doing zoo shit way past doing bad stand-up comedy way past doing bad ma- magic and fucking bad pizza. Hey, he did a good job. That studio looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Of all the things he built, that was the one thing that looked, hey, this is pretty legit. Well, if you're getting fucking fucking cash over hand, like for fucking pet, petting baby tigers and breeding inbred baby tigers and whatnot, yeah. if we did that, like our studio would look a lot better than it does right now. So I'm looking at all you guys to contribute to our Patreon. Fucking go pet some, go pet that pig. <laughs> yeah, you'll get to fucking pet the pot belly pig. The pot belly pig we have right here. But anyways, I digress. So his business pretty much keeps going more and more out of control. And, you know, documentary didn't really touch on it. But this is, to in my opinion, is like when the animals really started suffering even more. Because you got a fucking whole fucking facility, I guess you could call it, or zoo if you could call it, you know, full of like these just fucking animals just like stuffed into cages. And we've, here in Bakersfield, we've seen people with like way too many dogs. And those houses stink like shit. Like that's like my thing. Like I said, I've had I have four dogs myself. Like my biggest thing is like when people come over, like I want to make sure like my house doesn't smell like fucking dog or whatnot. But mm-hmm. we know those people. And one of the undercover like um, reporters, they said like as soon as you like approach the facility, like that's all you smell is cat piss. Yeah, I saw that. I heard that in one of the podcasts. I I heard what their interview, and it was just like. That was the main thing they brought up was a piss. Mm-hmm. So eventually, um, the reason why I bring up, you know, the home studio and whatnot is because he starts going on tirades about some, you know, lady named Carol Baskin. Now, we touched on her as well. Um, but she um, actually started a website called 911. Um, hold on. I have it down right here. 911animalabuse.com. And, you know, basically what she would do, like we were talking about earlier, is like she would, you know, put on her social media because she had thousands, tens of thousands of people like on her social media, you know, that would follow her. And she did like little YouTube clips about like her facility and whatnot. And what she would do is like, hey, like this is why my facility is actually a good facility because we actually, you know, try to, you know, you know, take care of the animal, make sure they're, you know, comfortable and whatnot. And, you know, this is why these other places are bad because, um, a big problem, you know, here in America that doesn't get talked about enough is just like, oh, like I was saying, you know, like the 80s, you know, like when the drug cartels were big with the cocaine and whatnot, like you'd see like all these exotic pets like come into the country. And then obviously people, you know, they're not able to care for them. One incident was, you know, a man in Ohio, he had like all these um, like tigers and panthers and whatnot. And he got sick of like, he couldn't actually take care of him anymore. So he just like released them out into the wilds of like Ohio and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then police, you know, they didn't know what to do with it. Like what the fuck is like your local police department going to do? So they either, they had to shoot him dead, yeah. which is a fucking tragedy in itself. Or they fucking have to capture him, which is how Joe got, you know, his first two tigers. 
you know, people, somebody just like abandoned them in the backyard and whatnot. And they have to go somewhere. Like you mm-hmm. said, we can't put them like in India or fucking, you know, the wilds of Africa or whatnot. Like they have to go somewhere. They have to go to some kind of sanctuary. But how do you know who's, whose facility is going to be reputable or if it's going to be a fucking dick and fart show like fucking Joe's fucking zoo, if you will. So mm-hmm. she sets up this website to tell you, you know who the actual bad guys are in the industry and who the good guys are. So not only putting herself like as one of the good guys, but other people in the industry as well. So I'm just surprised that the government didn't have anything established to uh, you know, just rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. Like it just seemed like it was all too easy, especially at this time. Um, Cause you know, you, you you brought up something before we started recording, but I, I think during um during this, it was just like totally easy to just buy a tiger and just have a tiger at home. Yeah, if you had the money, you you could keep the tiger at home. And not even that, like, yeah, it's gonna cost you money to take care of it. But I was surprised, like, just last night, like, I was like, okay, how much would it cost to buy like a baby tiger or a baby cheetah? The first website you can Google um, offers you. What website is this? Uh, just Google it, and you can pull it up. Like it's Google literally it. just like the first one that came up. But you can buy a Black Panther cub for a thousand dollars, and it would be a hundred and fifty dollars flat rate shipping to anywhere in the United States. And mind you, the second tab that I had open um, was, hey, where is it legal to own like exotic cats? And California, Oregon, and uh, Washington, all three of those um, left-wing <laughs> coastal uh, states, you can't own any kind of exotic animal at all. And then Nevada, I think, is the only one on the western side of the United States where you can actually own these. It's mostly like middle America, like, you know, your Oklahoma's, your Texas, Florida's, obviously, uh, South Carolina, like, where you can actually, like, own these these animals um, in your backyard. But they'll ship it anywhere in the United States um, they make it plainly clear, like it's your responsibility, um, not our responsibility, to make sure that you know you comply with the laws or whatnot. But they'll ship it out there anyways for $150 flat rate. But if you use Bitcoin because it's untraceable, and these are literally what they oh, say. Oh, are you talking about just like, yeah? I mean, this this uh dark web type of thing, or I, I don't it's know. not even dark web. Like you just Google it and you click on the first, like it was literally like one of the first uh, websites like on the the thing. But, you know, the, you can buy a baby Black Panther for $1,000. For $2,500, you can get a baby cheetah. A baby tiger is only $2,000. And you, you're thinking to yourself, that's like a really bad, like, you know, Toyota Corolla. Like, you know, like a 93 Toyota Corolla you can buy for $2,000. Like, that's the value of an actual endangered species. Like, something that's supposed to be running, like, you know, in India or the plains of Africa or whatnot. Like, you can actually own it, you know, for a flat rate of 150 But if you use Bitcoin, you get free shipping to anywhere in the United States, like for a baby tiger. And I'm not advising anybody to do that because I think it's fucked up. But that was the purpose of Carol's website was to, you know, point these these places out like, hey, like this is fucking illegal as shit. Like you're only creating the problem. And um, she kept seeing like things people would post about Joe. And like this is how her and Joe got like this big beef is because like she kept, you know, putting him on blast and what she would do is, is she would email, you know, any place like a mall that, you know, Joe would go to to, you know, do like a um, a baby um, tiger, you know, petting exhibit or whatnot and warn them like, hey, this is why this is bad. And then she said, uh, I think it was in the documentary that, you know, she would send out 500 emails a day to certain malls that Joe would go to or Joe had previously gone to. And then Joe, like, 
obviously he was getting pissed off about it because this was fucking with like his bankroll, you know, because like like we mentioned earlier in the show, like that's how he was able to uh, fund his zoo is based off of him letting people like fucking pet his baby tigers. And if they're not coming to his facility in Oklahoma, he has to go out to them because I guess the map that they showed, they would show that he he would get like on this tour bus, like this magical mystery tour, tour bus, if you will. To like places like all the way to like Colorado, like he went all the way to like uh, North Carolina, to Minnesota, like all these places, just taking his baby tigers on cub, baby cub tigers, on baby tiger cubs on tour to let people pet him, and he was making fucking money like hand over fist, like on doing this. But it was starting to to, to dig into his pocket once she started put him on blast. And when he got back to his uh, home studio, like ninety percent of like his Joe Exotic TV program was just based off of, like, you know, talking shit about her. Um, I believe a couple of his programs, like, he would get, like, a blow-up doll. And, like, he... Shooter? Yeah, shoot it live on air. Yeah. And, like, like straight up just say, like, like uh, what was, like, the Looney Tunes um, uh, cowboy guy? Oh, man. The guy with, like, the big hat and the red mustache? Yeah, like, he was, like, on a number station, too. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't think of his name. But like he, would, it was like seriously like some shit off of that, like Looney Tunes, like like he would like with a pistol because he like walked around like with a fucking, fucking bandolero and shit, like fucking just shooting shit and like Carol, this is what's gonna happen to you. And then like he would like blow up like a blow up doll or like he would go out into the middle of his lake mm-hmm. and like it would show himself like going out to like fucking Walmart and buying like those explosives like that you can buy like over the counter at Walmart and like blowing up like a. Um, like a picture of her mm-hmm. and he then he started like recording country music and he asked, hey he has a pretty good voice i'll give him this i Look. know like when you hear him talk it's like fucking gravel like a, or fucking nails on a chalkboard i'm swallowing nickels as i talk like yeah it's very bad but he had a smooth he had a good voice yeah so i did look it up there's actually nine states that are it's still legal uh, to own two of the states, though you can only own bobcats and lynx, mm-hmm. and uh, Missouri you have to have a permit. Mississippi you can only have small cats. Uh, I guess that would count as like a bobcat or something. Mm-hmm. But you know, for the most part, you know, it's extremely legal. Yeah, and and I would say states where I would say it's extremely legal. It's uh, North Carolina, Nevada, and West Virginia. Those are the three places where it's like almost no regulation still. Wow, that's got to change. If we learn one thing from this episode, if you live in those three states, go right to your local congressman because that shit's got to change. That's fucked up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you, cause you said like, hey, by now it's like everything, that that should all be shut down. Yeah. And these are animals that are on the endangered species list, but you can freely buy them on the internet for $2,000. Yeah, that's nuts. With free shipping. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I didn't even know that till you brought it up. Because he talks about in the documentary how it was shut down and illegal now, but that was only in his state. Mm-hmm. Apparently, no, like, in these other, like, nine states where it's still legal, and then in three states, it's, like, super easy to get them. Um, but, yeah, god damn. I'm, I'm really surprised. That's, like, did you know, like, I think it was in, like, Missouri, slavery was still legal up until, like, 1994 or something like that? What, really? Yeah. It wasn't until Michael Moore um, uh, bought a family and like made it like a public thing where like he kind of put I think it was Missouri, uh, but Michael Moore put it on blast where um, he's like oh I just bought a family and like because legally I can do that here in Missouri and 
then they, America, they, cha- you they change the law. Want. They change the law right away. It's like but that rule of thumb. Like you can beat your like I think <laughs> it was like your al- wife with a stick the size of your thumb or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's legal. And I was like, wow, like that. I think too also was like a law until like the like late nineties or early two thousands and whatnot. Yeah, that's nuts, dude. Yeah, so basically, this is what she, Carol like her mission was. Like she's trying to get you know legislation passed or whatever. And but at the other opposite spectrum of it, you have Joe, who is pretty much the poster child for you know all of this shit. You know, and he would like make uh, music videos of, um, you know, just making fun of her. I think I one- saw Tiger. Yeah, he- and Tiger saw me. It's actually like a real. That's a really sad song. Actually, yeah. that one I forgot what that was about. I think that was about his someone dying. No, he had several songs about people dying. Oh, that's that was a really sad song. I've but the ti- the I saw a Tiger one. Like it was basically like making himself look good like we were talking about it earlier like you know an individual who has like a sticker about like marine strong yeah and he never served like in the marines yeah it kind of reminded me of joe because like he made this whole song about like i saw a tiger you know the whole thing is about how he takes care of tigers and whatnot as we demonstrated he's feeding them like expired walmart meat and fucking mistreating them and he's like jerking them off onto kids yeah like this kid's gonna get jizzed on if he doesn't move yeah he's, he's using like stolen cat valor basically at this point and um, it just hit me. They don't talk about it in a documentary, but I'm sure he did that. What? I'm sure he jerked off a cow <laughs> once or twice. Oh, yeah, you'd have to. He's a breeder. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. And so yeah, then he would make like videos like making fun of Carol. I think there's one called Hair Kitty Kitty, like where he's like feeding her like oh, meat. Oh, yeah. And like he would, and I mean, sometimes it would be funny because he would put her on blast because a little bit background on Carol is, is like, she was like in the in the nineties. Like she married uh, a really wealthy man. This is how she was able to get her sanctuary. She yeah. ma- married a millionaire, and they both left their spouses to marry each other. And you know she bought he bought her a bobcat because she was like crazy about cats. Like all of her clothing. Which, by cat. the way, she's allergic to cats. I, I know that's weird, huh? Yeah, it's super weird. And he bought her a bobcat. And the bobcat obviously needed a friend, so they went to like Minnesota to buy like another bobcat. And I guess when they saw the, you know, the facility where the bobcat was at, like the guy was like, yeah, I just breed them because we're going to slaughter them for fur. The husband ended up buying like all 56 of the bobcats that were at the facility and whatnot. Right. So that became her mission after that, you know, to save, you know, cats and whatnot. The husband buys her like this, like 56 acre facility, which is where all these cats go. Right. And she claims that she takes care of them and whatnot. And that's neither here nor there, but mysteriously, that husband disappears and people magazine, I believe put it out there that she and him, like we're, you know, about to be divorced. If he divorced her, she would lose all of that. And so he told like his children from the previous marriage that, Hey, like if anything happens to me, like just know it was Carol. Like I, you know, I'm fucking afraid for my life. And, um, the theory is, is that, you know, he had, she had him killed and she kind of has like that like thousand mile like death stare in her. She is super creepy. She is a really strange woman. Um, and we talk about this about when we talk about about conspiracy theories and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think there's certain things that just set off your inner Red inner flag. spidey sense kind of thing. You know, I know that that podcast, my favorite murder. It's like you know, like. Um, they always talk about whenever that goes off, you know, if someone's giving you like bad vibes, like don't follow them into the fucking forest or something. Oh, no, yeah. You know, that, that whole thing, like fuck that shit. Fuck politeness is what they're, they always say. And it's true. Like there's certain times where like 
society tells you to trust someone because that's what it's polite to do. But at the same time, it's like your spidey sense is going off. Maybe you don't trust this person. Mm. And that's how I feel about this lady. This lady is fucking creepy as shit. She, I can't, I not a person I would trust no. at all. Like, there's no way I would trust her. So the theory is, is that, you know, to get out of, you know, her husband leaving her, you know, and basically leaving her penniless and without her kitty cats, right? Is she had him killed and she fed him to the fucking tigers. Or buried him under a, a septic dink. Which is fucking nuts as well. Yeah. Yeah, so... Or, or ground his fucking meat, or his meat, his fucking, his body into the grinder and then mm-hmm. like fed it like to the crocodiles and whatnot, which yeah. is fucking nuts as well. So even, even Joe is like, um, I guess he brings up that, uh, tiger's, um, stomachs are super acidic. Mm-hmm. So that's why like you wouldn't be able to find bones anyways. Yeah. Cause he's like totally lost. Like there's no sign of where this, her first husband went at all. And like you were talking about, like those weird spidey senses go off. Like every time somebody would mention that, like in the documentary or just even like um, on YouTube videos, just in general, like she laughs it off. Like, I don't know about you, but like if my girlfriend like mysteriously died or whatever, and I'm being accused of like feeding her to like my German shepherds, like 20 years down the line, like I'm not just going to laugh it off. Right. Like that's just not something like I would find funny. Like, yeah, there's certain things like you talk about, like conspiracy theories, like even um, what was it? Sandy Hook or whatnot. Yeah. Like where like the parents can be seen like laughing. Giggling right before they come on camera. Yeah. Like I think that's super fucking suspect, but maybe that'll be a future topic. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, you said it. Joe would bring it up like continuously and would just like throw shade on her as well. Um, What he would do too is he would show up to her facility and, um, you know, be like dressed up in a dead bunny outfit and whatnot, because I guess like she would be claiming, okay, she's all for animal rights. But I think there was, like, a controversy with her and her volunteers, like, where they would club, like, bunny rabbits and then, like, you know, feed it to the cats and whatnot. And I guess, like, that was a big controversy with her. And so, like, he just to egg her on, like, with these videos and whatnot, like, he would show up uh, to protest her site and dress up, like, in a bunny outfit. And um, he- mm, that's really interesting. Uh, that's that's one of those things, you know, I'd love to get someone from PETA on here just because I don't know how they go about that. Mm-hmm. Like... Um, cause that's what these animals survive on. Mm-hmm. And so that's their natural diet. What else would you feed them? Mm-hmm. And so I don't see it as inhumane. That's, that's their journey. That's what, mm-hmm. how are you going to keep these animals alive? I guess they were mad because they clubbed the bunnies and like, they're obviously the rabbits had like bashed in skulls or whatever. And like her and her volunteers, like holding like these dead rabbits, like on social media, like, Hey, about to feed the kitty cats or whatever. Oh yeah. And I was just like, Okay, I can see like how that can be misconstrued because I'm kind of like on your side with it. It's just like, yeah, that's the the cat's gonna fucking toy with it before it fucking. Well, see, that's the thing, and th- this is one thing that I think a lot of people aren't putting in. In even though these animals still have those cat like reflexes, like a house cat would, mm-hmm. if it like found like a mouse, it would probably toy with it or kill it before. But these animals are probably in captivity their entire life to the point where they don't know how to hunt. If mm. a bunny would probably get away from them. Yeah. So right the I cage. can see why they would club a, they have to throw a dead animal in there because it would probably get away from them. They've lost mm. that skill of hunting. Yep. So maybe that's why they're doing that. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally with you on that. So just um, to play the devil's avocado. <laughs> <laughs> mm, that sounds good. An avocado yeah. with like a little bit of hot sauce on it. Oh yeah. But, um, with some El Yucateco sauce on it. There you go. They use that triple X. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, Joe would antagonize her. She would jump in and do like her whole song and dance against him or whatnot. 
but Joe like took it a step further and like he was he was still going out on tour and you know having people pet the cats and whatnot but he started using her logo like he kind of adjusted it yeah, a little bit it's a very bit. similar one yeah yeah just to say like the to make it well, look like she sponsored his tour his was called um is it exotic animal productions or something something like that but it looked like everything like looked almost alike so yeah. that like people were thinking like lazily like be like even, oh Carol's Carol's behind him, so he's fine. Like, let him in the mall. Let, let, she, let the kitty cats be pet. He even used the same banner from her website of like those cat eyes, mm-hmm. and it would block the productions part, so you couldn't see it. Yeah, so it would just look like big animal rescue productions at the bottom. Where it's yeah, like, yeah. And so I guess okay, her her method was is like okay, I'm gonna fucking sue the shit out of him. And so long story short, she wins like a fucking copyright infringement suit against him for one million dollars, and. Again, this is this was another blow to Joe, and what ends up happening is is that um, he can't pay the million dollars. You know, he's he even tells you like in his presidential campaign that hey, I'm broke as shit. I ain't got no money. Um, some crazy bitch from Florida has a fucking settlement against me, um, and that's this who that crazy bitch is. And um, so he can't pay this a million dollars, and the only way he can pay this million dollars is if he starts liquidating, um, you know, some of his assets. So you know, he has a tour bus, he has, um, you know, the recording studio, he has thousand or two hundred, you know, big cats on his facility, mm-hmm. and so he was scared to death that you know she was basically gonna, you know, take over his facility, you know, everything that he quote unquote worked for, and then not only that, he was super afraid. That, you know, because he documented everything on camera, you know, because he was an aspiring YouTube fucking uh, content creator or whatever, yeah. right? And he had actively like... He was uh, Shane Dawson before Shane Dawson. <laughs> <laughs> he actively had um, a, a documentarian, you know, or not a documentarian, but like a reality TV show producer, like, you know, filming 24 hours a day as well. So there was a lot of shady fucking videos on there of him like, you know, jacking off that cat and whatnot and shit. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want Carol to have that and then, you know, have him, you know, not to kill the lead, get arrested for animal abuse crimes and whatnot. So um, as it turns out, um, he was trying to settle something with Carol. And so he called the husband or whatever to get kind of some kind of settlement. And basically what they worked out was is like, hey, if you just make, you know, monthly, you know, small monthly payments to us towards a million dollars, like, hey, we won't come after your assets and whatnot, right? And so, like, him and the new husband, I should say, Carol's new husband, mm-hmm. uh, worked that out. And then I guess Carol got a copy of that, and there was like, no, he has to stop, you know, you know, people from petting the kitty cats or whatever, the little fucking tiny tigers. And he's like, no, that's literally how am I supposed to make you these payments? Because that's literally how I'm making my money. Like I don't make money from you know my YouTube series or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. You know I don't have Caveman Coffee as a fucking sponsor or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like I'm gonna go fucking dead broke. And so she's like, well, those are the terms of the settlement. If you don't like it, you're gonna have to like seize all your assets and whatnot. So I guess a couple of months go by, and there's no you know, official response from joe on the settlement because you you know you can come to like a gentleman's agreement you know a handshake agreement and whatnot Mm -hmm. but unless you sign the actual court paper or papers you know nothing you know is official so i guess the attorneys for carol and her husband had sent that to joe and he sat on him for a couple of months and then the story goes later on they get impatient and like hey what's up with the settlement like you haven't made any payments towards us like like we're gonna come after all your shit and so another voice jumped on the fucking phone, and it was a gentleman named Jeffrey Lowe. And he said, you know, there's no fucking deal. 
And he goes, that's fucking ridiculous. You're going to make this man go out of business. Like, all these tigers are going to go. And their big beef, too, was it that Carol was doing the same exact thing as them and that she was being a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. And so the way Jeff Lope um, comes into this picture is that he's also um, a shady character. Um, he used to be um, Evil Knievel's son, I believe, Robbie Knievel's, like, tour manager or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he also... Um, I guess you can call him like a professional con man because Prince actually sued him for selling like a bunch of like bootleg shirts like outside (laughs) his fucking like concerts and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I think he actually had like a federal crime against him because like he was posing like as like some kind of like um, collector for, you know, uh, like the mentally ill or whatever. Like, hey, like would, would you pledge like $50 a month to help like the mentally challenged or whatever? And he would basically like pocket like all that shit and like that's how he like got Damn, like his millions and that's whatnot. brutal. But basically this guy's like a, like kind of like a shitty character in his own right. And it's funny because like I, I want to say like he's like in his late 50s but he dresses like like in affliction gear and like Oakley sunglasses, yeah. hats and shit. Like he looks like like the like cheesiest motherfucker of all time. Like he looks like your stero- stereotypical like five finger death punch like fucking uh, fan. Man, yeah, he looks like um, like a methed out version of Chris Angel. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, with his fucking like Ed Hardy fucking glitter pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he came into the picture because he was buying cats from Joe and whatnot. And Joe, like, was telling him his problems with Carol and whatnot. And he said, you know what? An easy way you can do this is just dissolve your company and then, you know, put it under a different name and have it under a different owner or whatever. And I think the documentary, like, shows that as well. That, like, nothing was really under his name towards the end because Carol can only come after the stuff that was in his name, like the tour bus and... Yeah, so this is one of the parts where I was kind of not all there. <laughs> I oh, okay. was kind of falling asleep. But I think he was switching, like, ownership names from, like, person to person so they couldn't go after anyone. Mm-hmm. And so they dissolve, like, the actual <laughs> business. <laughs> and, you know, it goes from, like, GW Zoo to, like, Z- G- ZW um, Entertainment and fucking productions and whatnot. So basically, like, make it look like a TV production or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, put it in my name. And then, like, I, that way she can't come after me. She'll have to start, like, the lawsuit over again. Like, that's another, like... I think they, she says, like, in the documentary that, you know, Carol and her husband, that they sp- spent, like, half a million dollars just trying to sue Joe to get the million dollars, right? And so he goes, so um, Jeff comes in and says, hey, just put it under my name, and, you know, all your problems will probably just go away because they'll get sick of trying to, you know, take you to court and litigation and whatnot, right? And you can just make money off of your, like, little YouTube thing. So Joe completely, like, departs from, you know, taking care of all the animals. Yeah. Everything goes over to Joe. But Joe is pretty much fucking obsessed with Carol at this point. This is, like, where you see, like, him, you know, again, you know, make making videos, like, making fun of her, like, in his country music videos and whatnot. And mm-hmm. blowing shit up, like, in the middle of the lake with, like, her face on it and shit. And that just becomes, like, his prime fucking focus and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Now, in the background is is that Joe is also a polygamist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he married, like, two two, you know, younger guys. Like, his first husband... Or no, the first, not the first first husband that dies of HIV, but the next husband after that, believe comes onto the ranch like when he's 19 years old, and he looks like your typical like NASCAR fan or whatever, like some redneck doesn't look gay at all, right? Mm-hmm. And then another one comes over from California uh, to Oklahoma be- to get away from his meth habit, right? Again, very handsome kid, probably was like a skater at one point, and doesn't look gay at all either. 
And what the... <laughs> what does gay look like? <laughs> I don't know. Like, like <laughs> fucking Shane Dawson. <laughs> but, you know, it just looks like very, like, they look like very, like, you know, stereotypical, like, good old boy, you know, Trump supporter or whatever, right? And so the documentary comes out and says that, hey, like, these two guys were straight as shit. It's just that Joe, like, was actually, like, getting meth and pumping them full of meth just to get him to to marry him because he, he makes it a point to say like he goes my whole life I've always had two boyfriends and whatnot right so the reason why I bring this up is because I apparently like they're actually you know have some kind of affection towards Joe like there's videos of them you know making out and whatnot or walking mm-hmm. around like in his Joe erotic underwears and whatnot and then you see them like each one of them get like you know more and more pissed off because his whole focus is just making fun of Carol like on his TV series or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So even if they're gay or not gay or whatever, because you know the theory is that they weren't gay, but they were just so heavily addicted to meth that they were willing to do whatever they could to get their pink meth fix or whatever. Because that's one thing the documentary doesn't show either is that you know Joe to make even more money like he was actually like you know dealing out you know meth. Mm-hmm. So. um yeah, I was kind of surprised that the documentary didn't show that. Yeah, because I guess maybe it's just like a little unfounded, like they didn't have enough to put it out there without being convicted of or being accused of libel or whatever. But like that was like a big theory like out there that like, hey, like he was actually distributing, you know, meth like in the area. And that's how he was able to keep like a lot of his employees as well, right? So they're they're becoming more and more, um, you know, disenfranchised with him because he's not showing, you know, his spouses, you know, the proper attention and whatnot. And so they start to leave him. But the one, the younger one, the skater one from California, I guess, like, he was so, like, high all the time and whatnot that, like, he would do, like, you know, careless things. Like, he would, like, you know, stick guns to people's heads and just be like, freeze, motherfucker. And, like, he was just Mm -hmm. very, like, you know, just weird with it, right? And so at this time, too, Joe, he's he's running for president, you know, (laughs) like you mentioned at the beginning of the show. Um, And it's completely, like, just off in his own world. And so his campaign manager was in the office one day. And he says, you know, his first husband or his second husband, Travis, comes in and he says, hey, I hear that, like, if you have, like, a bullet in the chamber, but there's no magazine in the gun, like, it won't click over. And he's like, hey, dude, like, that's not true. He goes, don't even try to test this out to find out. And he goes, oh, man, I'm so confident of it. I can put it up to my own head and click it. Mm-hmm. And the documentary, actually, I don't know if you got to this part or not. Um, I heard, so I heard the part because I just told, asked my girlfriend to tell me what I missed. <laughs> And I was like, okay, cool. I don't have to watch this. Yeah. But it's pretty disturbing because you see like the surveillance uh, footage of like his uh, campaign manager sitting down Mm -hmm. and you see them talking and laughing back and forth. And uh, Travis, the second husband, is just like standing there. And all of a sudden you just see like a flash and you just see like everybody like kind of just freeze for a while. Just like, oh, my God, what did I just see? But like, I guess he sticks the gun to his head and then just, you know, accidentally commits suicide like right in front of um you know, the whole staff and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And this is like where Joe, like even like goes more off the deep, deep end. And, um, he just totally like, just like fucking like start. I mean, rightfully so like goes into like this huge depression and whatnot. And like his whole focus is, is like, I gotta have, I gotta get rid of Carol. Like she's breaking me. Like everybody around me is like leaving me and whatnot. I have no money. And then like him and Jeff, like the guy that he signed the business over to, like he's taking advantage of me and whatnot. And he's like, I don't know what to do. And so this is where he starts saying like, hey, I need to have, you know, I need to have this lady gone. Like this is like the root of all my problems. Everything that's going wrong in my life is all because of Carol Baskin and whatnot, right? And so 
he keeps like asking everybody that comes, you know, to buy cats from him, like, hey, do you know any good hitmen? And this is like where one individual, um, I guess he wants to start like a fucking um, bed and breakfast, like an exotic bed and breakfast, like where <laughs> you come and you stay and whatnot, and then you get to pet like a baby tiger all night and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he asks him, he says, hey, do you know any good hitmen? And, and his name is James Garrison. And he says, he goes, yeah, I might, just because like the guys that he came in with was like like these heavily tattooed guys and whatnot. And he goes, uh, I'll ask around. Never gets back to him. He's just like, man, this guy jokes out. Like he's fucking, he's off of his rocker or whatnot, right? But like, that was like his whole mission. Like after like he loses his husband, he's just like, hey, I have to fucking get this bitch like fucking dead. And so he asked one of Jeff's uh, handymen. He says, hey. If I give you $5,000, will you go uh, drive down to Tampa and fucking shoot that bitch like right in the head? And he's like, yeah, just give it to me. And so I guess they say that him, Jeff, and Joe were sitting down in his office and they actually like Google map like um, her daily bike route. Mm -hmm. Because she would like YouTube or uh, Facebook live like her like her mornings like where she would just go on the bike trail like on the little cat sanctuary that she has. And, like, they actually, like, Google map, like, everywhere, like, oh, this would be a good place for you to sit out in the bushes and, like, cap her right in the head. And so they had, like, this whole plan, like, mapped out. And I guess Jeff, like, had him recorded, like, doing that. And so they're like, okay, as soon as, you know, you get that done, like, I'll give you, like, the $3,000. And so, or no, the $5,000. So I guess it turns out that eventually he ended up just giving, like, the man, like, $3,000, the hitman, just to do it. And he goes, at the end of the day, he's like the the hitman. He just drives to South Carolina and he just like fucking like spends all the $3,000 like on meth and whatnot and like just parties out and shit. Yeah. Because he's like, dude, I was just trying to get away from this fucking facility because he goes, he would not let anybody leave. Like he goes, this was just my ticket to get the fuck out of there because it was just like a horrible fucking existence to begin mm-hmm. with. And so the, the gentleman with the 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 bed and breakfast idea, like he comes back um, because like he actually um, is friends with that Jeff Lowe character and the Jeff Lowe character is like, dude, like we got to get Jeff out of here. Like somehow we got to get like him like fucking arrested or whatnot. And he goes, this dude like seriously gave like my fucking handyman like $5,000 or $3,000 to go kill Carol. Like obviously the guy wasn't going to do it. Like I told him not to do it or whatever. And he says like, hey, like do whatever you can with that information or give it to Carol. And so that guy, um, James Garrettson, he actually calls Carol and leaves her a voice message and says, like, hey, Joe's actively, like, seeking people out there to, like, fucking, like, go and murder you. Like, hey, you probably want to do something with this. Yeah. And so she turns that over to, like, I guess the U.S. Uh, Fish and Wildlife um, Organization. Yeah, I think they try to get a hold of the FBI, but the FBI just sends some other, like, more animal-related FBI <laughs> yeah. bureau. I don't know. I don't remember what they were, but I don't like, think they were the fish and fish and hunting people but they send someone else out and then they're the ones who respond from from then on it's like a subdivision of the fbi or something yeah and i guess they said that they he <laughs> he couldn't get him the money because they sent him out like all undercover like hey i actually found you a hit man and they said like hey like i don't got the money now but if you wait like i'll get the money for you and so this is where he starts to dig himself even further down is so, like, they agree with, like, that undercover agent that gets sent out there that, hey, like, if you kill Carol Baskin, I'll give you $10,000. Well, Joe's broke as shit. He doesn't have no money. And so what ends up happening is is he um, starts contacting, like, circuses in the area saying, like, hey, 
like I'll board like for the off season, like I'll board your animals at my facility. Um, you know, if you just make me, you know, these monthly payments or whatever, but his facility is fucking like just over, overgrown with like all these fucking animals. Like he has like way too many tigers in one pen. And so what they said he started doing is he started like, you know, gathering up, you know, some of the older animals and by older, I mean like five, six years old, like they're no longer cubs anymore Yeah, and just start shooting them in the head. And I guess like, this is like where a lot of like his, um, employees and whatnot, like they just start bailing on him. Cause they're like, you know what? These cats trusted me and you know, like I, they would do anything for me. Like these, these, were not fucking, you know, sick animals. Like, they didn't, you know, need that or whatever. And he just took, I guess, a shotgun to, like, each one of their heads and just blew them up and then buried them in the backyard. And um, he said, well, fuck, if I knew if it was that easy, like, I would have just done it all to him and whatnot, right? So his whole mission is just to make more room to get more cats in there to get this $10,000 to have fucking, you know, this secret undercover agent that he didn't know to kill Carol Baskin and whatnot. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, that was that was... He was definitely in that full-on panic mode at this point because he's trusting complete strangers at this point, and he's—you could see that, like every—he's basically losing everything at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of—I think this is towards the end of the documentary, and you—you uh, you can already start. He also gets married to like a new guy during yeah. all this. So like, I literally like a month after fucking the Travis like shoots himself in the head. A month later, he marries, like, another, like, 19-year-old, like, yeah. um, boy. Because he's a boy at this point, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, just marries another boy. And I guess um, him and Jeff, like, after he marries, like, this new boy, like, him and Jeff, like, start going at it, like, hardcore, um, like, just arguing all the time and whatnot. And uh, Jeff, I guess, like, lets it slip. He goes, dude, all those fucking things that you were saying about, like, killing killing Carol and whatnot, like, I have all that recorded. I have that, and, like, I'm just waiting for you to fuck up enough so I can turn that over to the authorities. And so I guess, you know, the documentary kind of shows, like, hey, that, you know, overnight, like, he started, like, shipping out animals and selling them and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he totally, like, vacates, like, the zoo and whatnot and, like, kind of goes on the run. Yeah, they go pretend that they're in, like, Mexico or Belize or something like that. Yeah. They're using, like, hashtag Mexico, <laughs> and it's, like, clearly not Mexico. It's, like, the fucking, uh, the like, local. in the Florida shore, like, some bullshit like that, but it's... I just thought it was funny that they were trying to like, because you can find where where phones are. Mm-hmm. They're clearly just using their phones to do it, but there's they think that using the hashtag is like enough for them to like trick people into believing that they're in a different country altogether. Oh yeah, but yeah. Long story short, dude gets busted for um, trying to hire two hitmen as well as you know all of his employees. You know, once he gets arrested, like, they go and they go on trial against him. Like, all these people that, you know, were loyal to him at one point, but the straw that broke the camel's back is, like, when he started killing all those tigers. And I think he gets, like, convicted of, like, 17, you know, charges of, like, animal abuse and then the two charges of, like, you know, the hitman, you know, hit. And he basically goes to jail. He's just got convicted um, and sentenced. He got convicted uh, April 2nd of 2019 and then sentenced literally January of this year to 22 years in prison for all of that. Damn. Yeah. But at the same time, like when all that was happening, he was like in jail, like he was still brokering like deals for like baby cubs and whatnot. That's, that's really the sad part. You know, the documentary, I didn't really finish it, (laughs) but, um, do they address, um, what's going to happen to all the tigers? Cause it sounds like his partner is just going to make a new zoo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think like his, 
the Jeff guy or whatever, like he's making like a new zoo, like in another part of Oklahoma, like a, a yeah, southern a, part closer to Texas, mm-hmm, like just a bigger, batter facility and whatnot. And to me, like that wasn't necessarily like a good solution with it because it's just like, okay, like you said, like what happens to all of these animals? Like you see them, you know, you know, take out, you know, two of the, the chimpanzees. And they said that like, you know, these two chimpanzees were like separated from each other for 10 years. Like they were like in cells, literally like right next to each other. Like they can reach out and touch each other. But as soon as they released them, like they started hugging each other. Like, and he goes, it was like one of the most heartbreaking things ever. Like these two intelligent animals, you know, family basically at this point, you know, were in solitary confinement. And as soon as they're able to, you know, be quote unquote free, like they just start hugging each other. Like, you know, they're fucking, you know, uh, you know, long lost siblings and whatnot. And it's just like, that's like the real tragedy here. It's just like, where are all these animals going? Yeah. And I don't really, I don't really, I didn't really get any many answers on that. I'm assuming some of them probably went to, you know, a poetic justice, maybe went to Carol's facility. But yeah. they don't really say exactly where all like because at the end there was like 227 t- just tigers there. Yeah. There was like ligers and like lions. There was bears. There was donkeys and whatnot. And it doesn't really touch on where all these animals went. Yeah. So I'm I'm assuming that a lot of them went to to his facility, the new facility, because mm-hmm. he kind of like takes the title of like the rightful owner of his old facility at some point, and. I don't know. It just—it's kind of a sad ending. Like it doesn't really feel like an ending, just because it's still ongoing till today. Mm-hmm. And like you know, we talked about those states that were still very much like actively letting people have them as pets, mm-hmm. even to this day. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it seems kind of fucked up. Talked about like, you know, not just not just them, but like you know, we don't really talk about like those like shows in Las Vegas and like all that shit. Like Mm -hmm. I've never been a Las Vegas fan. And that's one of those things that it's just like, it's so shitty for me for to me to like, believe that it's just like, that's so acceptable there. Mm -hmm. That's probably why they let that shit slide there. That's one of those States that like lets all that shit slide. Yeah. Like when you look at the map of like, you know, what's, you know, where you're allowed to have um, these exotic animals like literally like the whole West coast is like, just like a steel curtain. Like, Nope, that's just not happening here. Like, but Nevada is like that one where it's just like, Nope, it's free for all there. Like you can yeah. have like Jeff even like, that's how he made his millions was that he would take people and, you know, like on these, um, like bus, bus, bus trips to Vegas or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like those bus buses that take people as like a drunk bus or party bus, if you will. Yeah. Like everyone just gets drunk and then they drop you off in Vegas and then they pick you up like when your vacation's done or whatever. And like you keep on drinking until they drop you off at your front door. Like it's literally like a bus that fucking you do all that while petting baby tigers. Like that's literally like one of the ways he made like some of his millions and whatnot. And I was just like, that's a fucked up way to fucking make your money. You know, off of these like poor little animals or whatever. It's like a form of form of slavery, basically, right? You know, like you wouldn't do that to your, you know, house cat or your your dog, right? Like just let complete strangers, just fucking drunk strangers at that, you know, do what they will with them. Yeah, I mean, even that, I mean, you have a child. I mean, you wouldn't want to be separated from your child to just be like, here's my child to please other mm-hmm. other creatures on earth to like, for your enjoyment. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fucked up. Like, I, I never understood that. Not just that, but we get the Kern County Fair all the time here. We get, like, here's a photo op with an animal. Like, here's you. Go climb that elephant, and we'll take a picture of you on that. 
I just think it's super fucked up. Like, this is not the life of these animals. These are mm-hmm. animals that are, a lot of them are getting close to being in, endangered. And they kind of talk about that a little bit, how, like, a lot of these animals, the majority of them are actually in captivity now. Mm-hmm. They're not so much in in, um, in the wild in the wild anymore. I believe they said there's 4,000 tigers out in the wild. And in, a, in the United States alone, there's about five to 10,000 in the United States yeah, and that, that's fucking crazy. It, it's fucking sad, man. And like, I just I don't think of I don't think we should have animals for our pleasure for, for our pleasure for enjoyment. You know, we both have domesticated animals. Um, we both have dogs, and so I mean, I, I do think that those animals is different because they are domesticated. Like they they are dependent on humans. They're not running in packs of wolves, you know, mm-hmm. like other animals. And um. So I do think of those as differently, but and and I just think you know as as a culture we treat animals very poorly. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to get all PETA on this and like I still eat meat, but I I do think that there's a lot of a lot of things that are wrong with the way we treat animals. Like our dairy industry is fucked up, man. Like mm-hmm. that's one of those industries that I just think you know like I'm I'm hoping that I can just wing myself off of cheese because I love cheese so much. But like the dairy industry is just mm-hmm. so fucking terrible. Yeah, like the way they treat cows is just terrible like they constantly impregnate these cows to like have them constantly pregnant constantly in pain and constantly mm-hmm. in these like dark rooms and like yeah it's just it's i think it's a bigger issue than we than we like for it to to be and we saw we saw what treating animals like shit can get us in in, in corona. Tr- the coronavirus and we're not that fucking like even though we very much isolate our animals like this is basically we're bringing an animal to life just to basically destroy its life the entirety like i don't understand like we 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 um talk about how the united states is like this is a very christian country but we don't really act like it we we basically have like these very like immoral acts of like just torturing these animals for its entirety of its life. It's just there for our pleasure, for our consumption. And like, and not even in the way that, you know, we personally raise a chicken. And if I think if somebody were to personally raise a chicken and kill it and eat it, it's completely different because I feel like that's more like circle of life type of thing, as opposed to treating it like this, like shit for its uh, whole life. Yeah. Assembly line style of, of eating something, you know, like Tyson chicken pumping it full of hormones and then selling it to people and like, mm-hmm. there you go, there's your KFC. And it's like some fucking, gen, you know, genetically engineered fucking hormone bag of like. Which leads down, you know, like some of the problems you see like in society now, like they're pinpointing like a lot of that to like why people, like why there's such higher rates of like autism and like physical deformities, mental deformities or mental conditions and whatnot. And it's just like, not just that, but like cancer, heart, heart disease is like the number one killer in the United States. That shit is not a coincidence. Oh yeah, I agree. Like heart disease is not, not, uh, not something like it's so preventable, but yet the way we eat is huge. The way we eat here in the United States is, is, you know, it's clearly, Clearly, there's correlation between the two, between heart disease and the way we're eating, and we're not addressing it. It's mm-hmm. a bigger killer than coronavirus, but mm-hmm. we're not shutting down the streets because of it. Nope. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I'm glad we're shutting down the streets because of coronavirus. I'm just saying, like, what will know? it take for us to wake up to it? You yeah. Know? Like you, not to go too far off the topic, but like I saw somebody post like a meme. That's my biggest fucking pet peeve too. Is like when people post memes as like, and that's how they're educating the public, oh, right? Yeah. Where it's just like, 
uh, so many more people died and were affected by the swine flu. And, you know, everybody was chill about it. But, you know, the coronavirus is significantly less. And I'm like, dude, that's so ignorant because not only that, you know, this the season for it hasn't ended on the coronavirus, right? But not only that, but that's the reason why we are panicking is because of how things were dealt and the shortages that, you know, the you know swine flu created that we need to learn from our past. That's what we're actively doing. So let's not shade, you know, it was basically like a political post to shade like Obama or whatnot. And I was like, let's not shade him because of, you know, the mistakes we made in the past. Let's like, like we're at, let's actively try to learn from that. So that way there's not millions of deaths. And then to kind of bring it full circle, you know, the whole politics of it, like every time, you know, you would hear Joe Exotic speak or any of like those other people's like the Mr. Ansel or any whatever. They would be like, it's our right as Americans to own these animals and whatnot. And it was just like, I thought that was so selfish because that's what bothers me too, like about people is this, people look at America as like, I'm free to do whatever I want and the government shouldn't intervene. Mm-hmm. And I just, the one item that kept like pinging in my head was just like, well, what about the cats? Cause the documentary I think ends with uh, the lady that um, got her arm torn off saying like, nobody really won, you know, like when Joe went to prison because the only people that, that lost here, the, every, the, the biggest loser here was like the animals, you know, like what about them? Like they're, they're still being, you know, made to get pregnant, you know, as soon as possible just to pump out like these kittens and those kittens are getting killed. Like after they're no longer viable anymore, you know, at five and like, you're basically, like you said, like assembly lining them and who, yeah, you might be able to in Oklahoma to own this animal, but who controls what governing agency controls? Like, how are you breeding them? Like, what is the standard for taking care of them? And there really is none, you know, you're just relying on, you know, a crazy cat lady that may have killed her husband to open up a sanctuary and hopefully like she's doing all the right things as well. And I like, think that's like the sad part too, where yeah. it's like that mindset of like, I don't want any government intervention, but you're creating, again, it's that, that snake that eats his own tail where it's just like, you're creating a bigger problem than, and cause they all hide behind like, well, we're breeding cats because they're endangered. Like you don't, you know, you, you don't um, solve the problem by not letting them breed. And it's just like, well, no, you're creating a whole different problem, which is bigger than the initial problem to begin with. Yeah. The tiger might be extinct, but now you're fucking, you're fucking with fire right here. You know, you're, you, you have that instance in Ohio where that man let out all those, you know, big cats. Like what if somebody's kid was playing out, you know, on their front lawn and then the Puma comes in like, you know, or black Panther comes and like tears that kid apart, you know, like that's on your hands, you know, just because, you wanted to be free and own whatever animal I wanted to own. Like to me, like that's such a weird political state of mind to be in, you know, and that the government shouldn't, we should have a small, smaller, even smaller government, like to be less efficient, you know, to begin with. And I just like, to me, like that's just a weird political mindset that is so inhumane in my opinion. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I agree. I'm surprised it's still legal in any state in the United mm. States. Like, I legitimately can't believe that that's a legal thing. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, it is It is mind-blowing. And and I, th- I think we still have a lot of steps. Even after that, like, we have a lot of steps. Because these animals were destroying their habitats. Mm. <laughs> and, like, yes, it is true that, they're, that they are, you know, there's higher numbers here in the United States. But the United States, I think the documentary starts off with a snow leopard in some dude's van. Yeah. And it's like, that's not its natural habitat. It's not, you know, these animals, they have emotions. They do go crazy when you have Mm -hmm. them in a cage for a long time. They're, they're, they're predators. And like, 
when that thing, when that, like, whatever animal you have in a cage gets out, it will, like, rip your fucking face off because that's what it's... Yeah, ask fucking, what, what's the word of those magicians from Las Vegas or whatever? Oh, uh, Siegfried and Roy. Yeah, I was about to say Siskel and Ebert and shit. <laughs> Siskel and Ebert. But, yeah, Siegfried and Roy, just ask them, you know, and, like, even you go to Las Vegas now, and I remember last time me and my girlfriend went to Vegas, the hotel we were staying at was the hotel where that incident happened, you know, where the the one guy they got attacked or whatever obviously like he's totally like out of that you know industry yeah you get your face taken off that's why but the you know the other gentleman in that relationship like he was there like he actually I actually like ran into him and whatnot and in like in the back of the hotel like they have like this whole like quote unquote zoo like where they have like all the like white tigers and the white lions and then like dolphins and whatnot and you know you're still seeing people going in there and you know I'm guilty of it I went in there and I wanted to see the white tigers and whatnot but like there's pacing back and forth you know like the that's not what that animal wants to do um one of the uh people in that documentary said like hey I believe it was even Carol herself like these animals can't be restricted to like you know a cage like they need 400 acres of fucking roaming land like and this cat is like just basically like pacing back and forth has people yelling at it taking pictures out of it you know it's just like that's not a life to live you know humans go crazy like just being in that situation yeah i mean i just don't understand how people justify it to themselves that night like the whole like Mm -hmm. how do you sleep at night kind of thing but Mm -hmm. it's like i just don't understand it i don't understand how people can go to like to a not a zoo but um but like maybe like the the, like the current county fair where they bring fucking animals mm-hmm. and like check out these animals take a picture with them like i don't understand like you know those animals like that's their home now like they mm-hmm. live like you're taking them out of their element like you would never you would never allow this oh, man I, I, just, I just don't understand the logic behind it like if those are humans and i keep thinking like if you took yourself out of like your own humanity or like let's say an alien race came and enslaved humans and just had them as you know planet of the apes style where it's like that's exactly that's what I was thinking, that's, yeah. that's the thing that's like that's why planet of the earth hits so close and you know who the villains are and you know who the good guys are you know it's like we're the villains like we're clearly the villains mm-hmm. like we're the ones who pass these laws we're the ones who like paid to see these shows we're the ones who like you know money talks and we're putting our money in the wrong place and like i just think we have a long way to go yeah one part too, like, I mean, just to play devil's advocate, because I mean, I totally agree with you too. It's just like, it's, we've kind of, again, it's a snake that eats its own tail. The flip side of it is, it's like, okay, so how do we properly take care of these animals? Like, yeah, like you said, well, like Carol's is more, you know, more, I guess you could say humane, but you know, people are still paying to go see these animals and stuff. Like rules and, that, and regulations are how you do it. I mean, yeah. you're never going to get there until you have rules and regulations mm-hmm. until you stop allowing people to turn it into a freak show. Yeah. There's a difference between like, so like I, you're okay with like, um, cause obviously, cause there's going to okay be money. It. Money's going to have to be there to, you know, support like this animal to have proper nutrition, to have proper veterinary care, you know, to have proper, you know, everything else, a proper habitat and whatnot, because the, half of the country, maybe even more than half now in this current political climate, you know, they don't want their taxes, you know, going certain places. And even if you have taxes going to certain places, like, even NASA's under underfunded. Our military now is underfunded now because we're creating a border wall and whatnot. Like, are we going to be like, well, all of the taxes have to go to taking care of these animals or maybe just like opening it up to the public in a more humane way. I mean, I don't know how you can make it any more humane, but like, 
to help fund that, that. There's money out there, man. Let, that I feel like that's a lazy argument. I'm not saying you're making that argument, oh, but no, I'm, I'm just saying like uh, Amazon doesn't pay any taxes. Why doesn't Amazon pay any taxes? Maybe Amazon by themselves can fund that. Yeah. Maybe Amazon by themselves could fund us um, better military. We don't invest in the military. Military, when they get back from serving in the military, they don't really have any like special health benefits. They do. They have some, but you still see homeless veterans walking around all the time. Yeah. You know, like, there's money out there. That's that it's, to me is like the stereotypical conservative argument of there's not yep. enough money. You're gonna take it out. Yeah, I am gonna take it out somewhere, and that's like fucking it's the, it's billionaires, the trillionaires. Like those yeah. people exist in the world. Those like <laughs> Scrooge McDuck type of people. Yeah, they are out there. The one percent that own like ninety percent of the wealth. That's a real thing, and those people are not getting taxed the way they should be. And that's a whole like you know Bernie Sanders argument. And, you know, that's why you really can't get back, mm-hmm. you, you know, get the back of um, Joe Biden because I don't think he'll do anything to address those types of things. But and that's the problem, too, because now we have to rely like on the political climate, like, oh, our things. Yeah, the money is there. Like right now, um, as we record this podcast, Congress is like debating whether to um, issue out two trillion dollars to help the economy because of the whole coronavirus stuff. Um, how are we you know, it's the whole political climate of getting it there, like getting the funds yeah, the funds are there, but getting the funds to where they need to be. Like, so that's like, like I said, the snake that eats his own tail. It's like, are we going to just rely like on, you know, politics to get, you know, these animals a proper care? Or do we unfortunately have to open up things to the public in a more human? Again, like Joe is a bad example of like, hey, I'm going to jack off this cat to, you know, get a bunch of profit or whatever. And he's not even, you know, taking proper care of his animals. Or do we say like, hey, Here's here's a cat off in the distance. You can see, you know, I think Hearst Castle. They have like a bunch of zebras like running around free like on their property, and they have like little telescopes. You can, you know, you know, try to spot them out there and like next to the cows and whatnot. Do you do it like that? Like people pay to do that? Like how how do we get there? Well, I mean, I think there's animals that are always going to be in captivity in zoos, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of these animals they'll never go back to just being normal. But I think even zoos are inhumane. Like mm-hmm. I know they're they're learning, they're learning tools, and they're cool to see and that type of thing. But you know, like we're still taking these animals out of its element, and like it's one of those things. I was like, oh, tough shit. Like that's not how you can learn. Just go YouTube it. Go go YouTube yeah. them and and the find 70- out what they look like. In the seventies, that might have been a good excuse. But like now, like yeah, like you're right. Like with YouTube and fucking Google but, Earth. <laughs> yeah, like. Th- these these animals' pain is not enough for me to like justify, like me paying some money to like oh I want to go see this monkey mm-hmm. now. Um, I remember here in Bakersfield when when I was in high school, my friend Anthony and I we would um drive to this house in Oildale because they had a monkey in their backyard. Oh, that's right, I remember that. And like I remember like its monkey, it was just tied up in a cage, like it was like literally the cage of like the corner of that room so it was in a very big cage and the monkey would just throw poop of like that like kids that were walking by and it was like really inhumane and like at the time i thought it was funny at the time when i was like fucking like 17 16 i thought it was super funny but now i think about it it's like dude that's extremely that should be extremely legal but also it's like so inhumane like that's an animal with feelings like that is not its natural habitat and we're just taking it out there because it's cool to see a monkey kind of thing. You know, it's, mm-hmm. and that's, that's, to me, that's not enough. To me, it's like, if you need to 
get them as much acres as you can because there's a lot of empty spaces in the United States as well uh-huh. um, where you can just like keep those animals until they will eventually pass away. And like if you really care about these animals overall life and hoping that they don't go extinct, dude, blame yourself. We're killing off a lot of these animals mm-hmm. in like the Amazons and all the Amazon rainforest with their own cars. So yeah. don't give me that excuse either <laughs> that they're yeah. going extinct. Like we're all guilty of that too. Like there's so many things. And a lot of the answer is humans are fucking things up. Yeah. And, like, until we address that, like, nothing's really going to get solved. Yeah. It's one of those things that, like, I, my thing would be, like, yeah, like, slowly, like, yeah, zoos and whatnot. Something that's, like, that's controlled, that's closely monitored where, again, you know, an actual, like, real, you know, working zoo that has access to people that, you know, have gone to school to be veterinarians to take care of these animals, like, intelligently. You know, let them, you know, slowly, you know, bring these animals in, have them age out of the system, and kind of, like, gradually get out of it. You know, where it's just like, hey, it it can't be just, like, overnight, like, oh, we're either going to, like, euthanize all these animals, because that's fucked up, too. You know, they never got a chance for life. Yeah, no, I don't think they should euthanize them overnight. Or just, like, release them. It's not their fault we fucked up. Yeah, like, just take them out and just kind of just age them out of the system and just kind of put a stop. 50 statewide you know just be like hey like you know this is something like you know yeah america's free but you're not free to fucking abuse an animal even if you think that you're not and one clever thing that they think like um, people in this industry would do is is they would go to congress and i think it was like the big cat act or whatever is that they would bring like their baby cubs and whatnot and like bring them up to like a senator or whatnot and be like hey like hey see this isn't so bad this isn't abuse or whatever like hey it's just like petting your kitty at home and then now they're embroiled because it's just like, oh, shit. Like, I'm on fucking social media holding, like, this baby liger cub and whatnot. Like, I can never, like, without looking like a hypocrite, like, vote against this or whatever. Like, so that's, like, the catch-22 that, like, we're dealing with now. It's just like, oh, shit. Like, that's such a clever-ass tool because, like, if you came up to me before, like, I did this topic and you'd be like, hey, look, I got a fucking baby tiger. I'm fucking all up on that shit because that shit is cute as fuck. But now, like, my fucking hands are here because it's just like, oh, shit. Like, I'm I'm contributing to the problem here. Yeah. That's one of those reasons. I, I mean, I, I've never... I went to the Kern County Fair once when I was, like, in, like, elementary school or something. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. But I've never been there as an adult just for that reason where it's like... I know those motherfuckers have, like, they bring camels and shit. And it's like, get the fuck out of here with that shit. Like, that's not... that. That's not even, like, cool to, for me to see. Like, I don't even care about camels. Like, I, I don't think, like, oh, I really want to see a camel. Just to know that that camel is in fucking pain and, like, living in a cage for, the like, 90% of its day. Mm-hmm. And just that 10% where people can touch it and pet it and, like, climb on top of it. Which is probably more pain for it in general. It's like, it sucks. So, I yeah. would say, hey, stop going to that shit. Yeah. So, with that, Art, do you have anything else? Like, I have a sore throat literally from, like, talking so much, so... No, just uh, keep doing what you're doing. Support animal rights. Don't go to the fucking fair when they bring a fucking... What is it called? The circus? I don't support the circus. So mm-hmm. I'm not, um, you know, that's for... That's, like, one good thing, too, is, like, I guess, like, that's all been shut down. Documentary um, Blackfish, like, with Tilikum, the, the the whale that was from Free Willy and shit. Like, well, that's starting that's, to change. That's still a fucking thing. Like, um, SeaWorld is still open. That that's another place that's like just all for your entertainment. Like yeah. here's all these animals that we'll have in captivity for your entertainment. Yeah, and it doesn't make any sense. And that's weird too, because like when Eat. that came out, like that was like a big thing. Like everybody was hot for it, you know. And like 
oh, we need, you know, and I guess like now you can't have like the Shamu show no more, like where the, the animal like does tricks with humans or whatever. But I mean, they're still there, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, how are, what are we doing to progress past that, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, there's, that's the difference. I think a lot of people don't get the difference between a domesticated animal, you know, all the way from like a horse to a dog to a cat. To mm-hmm. Those animals are domesticated animals to a fucking hippo that's just there for your entertainment and it's gonna be in pain or a tiger that's gonna rip your face off that's not what they do like they're you're fucking breaking them down mentally Mm -hmm. and if they could pull the trigger on themselves they would probably so (laughs) what a dark way to end this podcast man (laughs) fuck fucking hippos fucking committing suicide and shit so just know hippo that like hey if there's a bullet in the chamber and there's no magazine in it, you can still kill yourself. If Travis <laughs> has taught us anything, it's this, that. So I'm not trying to make Thank light of his, um, his fucking, his tragedy, but yeah, Hippo, put that gun down. So with that said, everybody, <laughs> make sure you go to our, uh, if you want to support something, uh, make sure you support like our shit. So go to the Facebook, go to the Instagram, go to the, you know, Twitter, go to the YouTube channel. This is where we're recording. You can watch us live as we record these episodes and hear me talk for fucking two hours and shit so um go there make sure you go to the shop the merch shop where we have all of our fucking t-shirts mugs pillows uh where you can sleep with r and jacob every night you know so uh we have a couple of new designs coming out by you know longtime fans uh nicole smith bosch so be on the lookout for that i fucking love that design love that fucking fan man she's awesome as shit so i'm i sent out um some shirts to her so hey get involved like that and i'll send you out some free shit so um also too art do you have anything else you want to plug um nope <laughs> <laughs> so um hope you guys are doing good with your self-quarantining um this episode is about almost two hours long so <laughs> i hope that preoccupies your time so with that said everybody have a good night good night